Well, November. We've got the burr part down. Now that the other part, <laughs> the no, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, the no, no, we're going to say yes. We're going to say yes in November. Um, we're going to say yes to giving thanks to God for all things, not just for the good things. It's so easy to say, thank you, Lord, for the good things. Turn to the lady next to you and say, I thank the Lord for you. I thank the Lord for each of you. And it's so good to thank the Lord for the good things. But God says, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is what I want you to do. I want you in everything to give thanks. Why does the Lord tell me to give thanks for the things I'm not thankful for? This is why. It is God's gigantic step of protection, protecting me from, ready, me, yeah, see, deep inside of me, in my sin nature, and in your sin nature, there lives an ungrateful, greedy girl, and not only is this girl in me ungrateful, she justifies it, as long as I stay in a mode of justifying why life's not fair, why they did that, why I am hurt, as long as I stay in that mode, I will never find the victory and the sweetness and the peace of God that passes all understanding when stuff happens to me that I can't understand. We, we are such blamers. We've had a number of lessons on the damage that we have when we blame. By the way, if you talk or meet or interact or work or live with someone who's always blaming, you're living, working, associating with somebody who is very bitter, okay? Blaming is the verbal response of the bitterness in my heart. So the real issue is not just shut your mouth. <laughs> it's a good start. <laughs> and then pray, but to close my mouth and say, Lord, I need you to deal with this bitterness in my heart. I need you to show me what to do with it. And God does. And part of what God does is he says, first of all, Kathy, I want you to learn to give thanks in all things. When I do not, when I do not live this instruction, I literally walk down a corridor where all the doors are labeled bitterness, bitterness, bitterness. The sub-point of the corridor I have put myself in because I refuse to give thanks. I only, I only am into rehearsing the wrong, dwelling on the bad. But underneath those bitter labels are, are subtitles that go something like this. I'm going to get you back. That's where revenge comes from. It comes from bitterness. Bitterness comes from an ungrateful heart. You can trace it back every time. Another door label would be, well, I just can't wait for it to happen to her. Okay? That has been birthed out of envy or out of some type of, it's going to happen to her and I can't wait. All of us have been faced with um, remarks that are so laced with um, 
bitterness, but laced with something that is aimed right at you and me that is not for our good. <laughs> I will, and, and, we ne- and the strange thing is, we never forget it. We never forget it. Now, we can forgive that person, but I promise you, for instance, okay, you all remember, or most of you do remember, when uh, the Lord blessed us with me being pregnant. After 11 years of marriage, boom, out of the blue, I'm pregnant. And you all rejoiced with me and with Pastor. And you all, you all just knew it was such an answer to prayer. And you were all so happy for me. And so I'm on this receiving end of saying, thank you. I thank you. I'm so excited. I was so sick, but I was so excited. <laughs> and I never will forget this one lady coming up to me and saying, I am so glad you're pregnant. I said, thank you. She said, no. No, I just can't wait to see you get fat. comes with the territory. We've all been there, you know. You've all had crazy things. And she meant it. (laughs) And she meant it, you know. And I knew she meant it. And that's why I knew I needed to forgive and I needed to think the best and forget the rest. But those things that are said by people all of the time. You also know I have a special needs son. You cannot believe the things I've been told concerning that situation. People, People are people. People are people. Turn to the lady next to you and say, you're a people. You're a people. And, 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 the, and the thing of it is, we're, we're a broken people. We're a broken people. And God says, let me restore you. I have such healing. I have such renewing. I have such refreshing available for you. The more, the more you are on the receiving end of something that's not fair or something that's hurtful or something that's just snarky, God says, I've got more grace. I've got all the grace you need to bless them, to forgive them, and to love them. And he does, and it's there for our, but what we tend to do, we are this greedy, ungrateful little girl inside, deep inside, and we would rather just rehearse it and dwell on it and think of something bad to say back to her. So God gives us this wonderful command. Kathy, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. Kathy, let the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart be acceptable unto me. I'm your strength. I'm your redeemer. So let's go back to the beginning. Actually, it's not the beginning. It's the beginning on earth. It's, it's with Eve. Um, Eve lived in a perfect paradise, but she stopped giving thanks for all she had. Didn't take her long either. Didn't take her long at all. We're going to get the whole story, the rest of the story, when we are in heaven. And and, uh, God tells us the story from the beginning to the end. But with Eve, she got very used to all that she'd been giving. And at some point, she got bored with it. We talked about this uh, either last week or two weeks ago. I think it was uh, Paul stayed passionate about what God had done for him. And it was what kept him renewed and excited. He didn't get used to what God had done for him. He reviewed it. He shared it. He loved it. 
But Eve got bored very quickly. And so um, she walked with God in the evening. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Walking with God every evening. But she walked away in the daytime. She walked away and she tuned her ear to the silky voice of the serpent who persuasively and kindly spoke to her to help her see that he didn't want her missing out. He didn't want her missing out. Fear of missing out. Because of today's technology, fear of missing out has become an acronym. FOMO, fear of missing out. It's the lifeblood of the social media. All right, it's it's what we are. We're keeping track of what everybody else is doing and thinking and saying and experiencing. And we check the number of likes against a post or against a, a comment or against something that was posted on social media. Now, I am not against technology. Am I am I handicapped in this area? Very much so. <laughs> but I'm not against it. I am not suggesting we go back to our flip phones, Nova, although I do like my flip phone. I mean, I mean, I don't have it anymore, obviously, but I mean, I liked my flip phone. What I am warning about are the voices we listen to. Social media has had such extreme influence on American society. Eve listened to the wrong boy. She listened to his agenda. And his agenda was to destroy her. And his agenda has never changed. He wants to destroy you and me today. And he uses the same, the same temptation that he used on Eve. Do you know teenage suicides have spiked unbelievably since America has become addicted to social media. These dear, vulnerable, hormonal teenagers are listening to the wrong voices. Now, you and I have a voice. It is up to you and me to speak up, to speak the truth in love. Life is good because God is good. But if God is not in my life, life is not good. And Satan's ploy has never changed. It's to remove God from our life. If you have children or grandchildren, get this mantra in their head, life is good, life is good. You convince them that life is good. Satan wants to take them to a place of hopelessness where they'll take their life. Life is good. Life is so good because God is good. But if God is not in my life, life is not good. Well, Fear of missing out. That's what Eve sent Eve to the uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, she listened to the wrong voice. God gives us this sweet command in everything to give thanks for all things, to keep my heart grateful. By the way, if you need a sheet from last week's sheets, we've got some... Um, these are the notes. I think I've got one more left after here. Um, and on number one, it will change the direction of my thinking. That's huge because we've got to know whose voice to listen. We've got to listen to the truth. So he gives me this command 
to keep my heart grateful and to keep my ear listening to him as I acknowledge his goodness and thank him for all that he has done. Okay, how many of you have watched your Christmas special yet? All right, good for you, good for you. Clint and Doug and I watched The Christmas Carol. George C. Scott, it's Clint's favorite. I personally like the Muppets, but Clint does not. Clint doesn't have the maturity to understand the funniness of puppets and Muppets, you know. I think it's hilarious. He just, you know, he likes George C. Scott. Boy, I tell you, it is so realistic. So we watch that. But my other favorite is It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. Now, this is what I believe. We had Bedford Falls in America, dear sisters. We had Bedford Falls. But with social media, I find myself awakening in Pottersville. And America's voice no longer says it's a wonderful life. Why do we justify listening to the wrong voice and then developing an even more ungrateful heart? If you have your notes from last week, it's under... Why does God give me this command? Number one, it changes the direction of my thinking. Number two, it protects my heart. It protects my heart. Giving thanks stops my heart from becoming ungrateful. And this is what I want you to understand. Where did this come from? It came before Eve. It happened in the great battle in heaven. We don't have a lot of information in God's word about this. He's going to tell us. But do you know hell was created for Lucifer and the angels that followed him? Hell was not created for mankind. Where did this ungrateful heart come from? We have hell because of one ungrateful heart. Lucifer, God's beautiful angel, was discontented with his position. He wanted to be someone other than himself, and God said what, class? No, no. Lucifer was unhappy with who he was, even though he was the most talented, the most beautiful, the most, the most of every most thing that you can be, Lucifer was it, but he wanted more. He wanted to be someone who he was not. Boy, do we ever see America changing as this evil discontentment with how God made us is now pushed aside, not pushed aside, enforced. We have three-year-olds reading little booklets on male and female and how we can choose who we want to be. Breeding, pushing, developing a discontentment with the fact that we are made in the image of God. He has a plan exactly. Every part of me was formed before it was formed. He labeled it. He named it. And he says, child, I'm making you for my glory. But that has all been discarded. It began with Lucifer's discontentment. He focused on the one thing he could not have and could not be, and ready, the consequence of that was hell. Wow. The consequence of that unthankful heart touches you and me every day. Do you know every sad, bad, awful thing that has ever happened to you is a result of sin when it is finished? bringeth forth death. In the beginning, it was perfect. Now, we're going to experience that perfection. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we will experience that again. But in this life, it's full of trouble, isn't it? 
It's full of trouble and it's full of hurt. And it all started because of one ungrateful heart. <coughs> Lucifer. Knowing that every injustice, every unfair thing that has ever come into my life is a result of Lucifer's unthankful heart, it should fuel me to be a doer of thankfulness. I should be so excited about doing the exact opposite because of what I can see happen. But sadly, we aren't much different than Lucifer when it comes to the no's in our life. When God says no, how do I respond? Many times we create our own personal place of torment when we don't give thanks because that is the very first response God calls me to when a no comes into my heart that hurts me. And especially during this November, December time. I tell you, the no's are a lot harder. The joys are greater and the disappointments and the hurts and the sadnesses are deeper. What do you do? In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God concerning me in this time. It's my very first response. God, remind me. Remind me when this hurt comes, especially when it has to do with family at Christmas time, at Thanksgiving time. Father, I'm going to say thank you because I know that you are going to work in this. I'm going to say thank you because it stops my heart from becoming hardened and angry. I'm going to say thank you, Father, because you do all things well, and I want to be a conduit of what you can do through me. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. I desperately need something right to happen in this situation, but my wrath will stop it just like that. And when I give thanks, I am throwing your Holy Spirit water on my discontentment because I'm submitting my will. I will trust in you with all my heart. I don't understand it, but I'm not going to lean on that. And I'm going to give thanks. Now, how do we, and there's on your notes, there's reasons why we justify an unthankful heart. We willingly believe the lie. Why do we willingly believe the lie? Because the lie comes from our heart, girls. What does God's word say about our heart? It's deceitful and desperately wicked. But it's much easier, and it just feels so right to believe my heart, and it's much harder to live my faith. Giving thanks requires faith, and that's why God's children don't do it. It requires my faith to give thanks. Now, I have something fun that we're going to do that's going to illustrate this. And I need, I need some volunteers. I'm only going to call on one of you because I'm going to have you call on the other volunteers. Let's see. I'm going to call on Leslie. Come on up. And Leslie, I want you to call on a volunteer. Okay, Michelle, come on. <laughs> yeah. In everything, give thanks, Michelle. <laughs> okay, Michelle, now you call somebody up. Elise. Elise, come on up. Okay, now Elise, you call somebody up. Okay, Sarah. Okay, you all have. Oh, you know what? It was Elise. You get to sit. <laughs> Yeah, Sarah, come on up. Yeah, 
Now, this all has to do with activating our faith rather than our feelings. Yeah, are you with me? Are you with me? Yeah. All right. So, this is what I want you to do. This is something fun you can play at your Thanksgiving party, all right, with your, with your uh, family. I want you to take this sheet of computer paper, and we are going to rip out the shape of a turkey. Okay, we're going to rip out the shape of, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to rip out the, now, the problem is we have to do it behind our back. All right, behind the back. Now, we all know what a, tur we all know what a turkey looks like. Okay, get the, get the image, get the image of the turkey in your head. Now, I'm going to start, I'm going to also speak some instruction through you. As I'm thinking about a turkey, I'm going to start out thinking about, I'm going to go on the side of my paper, and I'm going to, I'm going to rip out its beak. I'm going to start with the beak, okay? That's the part, I'm doing a side view. I'm going to rip a beak. Now I'm going up, start ripping, start ripping the shape. Now I'm going up, and I'm making the head that goes around the beak. I'm ripping out the head that goes around the beak. And now I'm doing a long neck. Oh, I hope I didn't just behead him. I think I did. Okay, the long, okay, now I'm going back up around the back of it. And now I want a fat turkey going on up, but now come the feathers. Okay, feathers, hey, lots of feathers. I'm gonna get rid of this extra paper here. Okay, here comes another feather. Oh, wow, this is, I think I know what a turkey looks like. I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning a turkey in my mind. I'm doing what I can do, even though I'm not, I'm trying, I'm doing my best, I'm making another feather. I've got at least three feathers now. Okay, I'm, I'm on the back side of the turkey. Okay, forget the feet, all right, forget the feet. But I want a fat turkey, I'm coming around the back side. Oh, for some reason I've come to the end of my paper, so, okay, all right, all right. Um, go ahead and keep ripping as much as you like. Where did that head go? Okay, I think I see the beak. <laughs> I need the neck. I need the neck. I'm trying to feel the... Okay, okay, I'm going down. I'm making... I want a big, fat turkey. Okay, yeah. All right, now, let's see who has... Now, before we show, be sure, this is an action of faith. We know what a turkey looks like. But now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. I hope this looks like a turkey. But it's the evidence of things what? Not seen. Not seen. Not seen. So let's see if we have anything that looks like a turkey. Ready? Oh, ha, 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 ha. Okay. Let's see. Do we have, do we have turkeys? She's done this before. You bet I have. Okay. We're going to, we're going to vote. <laughs> We have South America. <laughs> okay. Oh, Elise. Elise. There's the beak. Okay, there's that. Okay. Okay. Leslie? This is the head. Oh, yes. Oh, look at she even got the foot. I'm amazed. Okay. And Michelle, we've got the feathers. I get that. I totally get that. He's nesting. Or she's nesting. <laughs> okay. Great. Let's give these ladies a hand. That's good. Now. Do that, do that with your, with your family on Thanksgiving and then give a prize out, you know, for the one who tears out the best turkey. But I did practice it once this morning. No, we did this a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. 
but so yeah, you know who was amazing was Deb Rios. She she uh, I remember that I, that would think was the last time we had done that. But anyways, faith is the substance of things hoped for. We all know how to operate with with faith. God equips us. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us to gently remind us, Kathy, this is what you need to do. Kathy, you need to learn to give thanks in everything because that's going to open up the door for you to forgive that person. And until I give thanks, I stay hardened in my heart. Giving thanks is that softening ingredient where the Holy Spirit says, okay, now the next step. Even as we did step-by-step step with that turkey, our faith is step-by-step. Step. It's called the walk of faith, the walk of faith. You take that first right step, and the Holy Spirit enables you to take the next and the next. Why do we give thanks? Because it is the gift we give back to ourselves. Because as I live in obedience of activating my faith over my feelings and saying, Lord, I will thank you. I will thank you from the most serious things. You know, I found such beautiful victory in this concerning my Clint. My Clint. Am I thankful for Down syndrome? No, but I'm so thankful for Clint. I'm so thankful that God doeth all things well. I'm so thankful that God numbered every one of his parts and chromosomes before he even was for a plan that God had for Clint to live. And boy, does he live it well. And I'm so thankful he can walk because we had six, seven weeks of pain and it's gone, and God is faithful, and Clint, every morning now, and, and when we pray, he was praying, be healed, now he's praying, I'm healed, thank you, God, thank you, God, and that's a big part of learning to give thanks, because we find out that our God is sufficient, and our God heals, and our God answers, and even when the answer is no, God has a plan for my pain. My dear brother, by the way, there's some really sweet little... Um, what are these called, Trina? Well, you can use them for anything. They're things to do on the back. There's a little Bible verse of Bible truth on the, that my, my brother makes these. He came by and, and visited me, and it was so sweet. I don't get to see him much. And uh, he called me up. Kath, I'm a half hour from your house. Mike, come, you know. I've got leftover meatloaf. I'll feed you lunch, you know. And he came, and we had the best time. He's bringing presents for my kids and, and myself. And you know what we rehearsed, Teresa? We've had a lifetime, okay? My brother is 75 in January. And we rehearsed God's goodness. And we also rehearsed the hard things that have happened in our family. And God's faithfulness through every hard thing. And we just gave thanks. And I'm so thankful for my brother, Mike. He's my brother. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Bill is wonderful. He's down in South Carolina, and, and he's a wonderful brother, too. But my brother, we've got time. My brother, this, he's, he's the oldest. And we we're all born within six years, okay? So we're all, all four of us, all right? We always were playing games, always teamed up. And uh, my brother Mike used to write my sister and I stories, and he would read them to us at night. He's very poetic. He's very... Um, thoughtful 
and uh, he would write us suspense stories, and we would be read a chapter a night, and then he would get, and there was always a dog, because we were always dog people, and Thor was the name of the dog, and Thor was racing to the abyss to save, I don't remember the person's name, I just remember the dog, and in a split second, as the lightning flashed and the thunder rolled and darkness enveloped everybody, Thor jumped. Okay, good night. <laughs> but anyways, this brother would go outside our bedroom window. Chrissy's the youngest. She's three years younger than me. And so when she was, you know, when she was five and I was eight, well, we three older ones knew there was no Santa Claus. And we were reared with the true meaning of Christmas. But we sure, we enjoyed the fun part, too. Um, Rudolph and all that. My brother Mike would go out with a broom outside of our bedroom window, Louise, secretly on the snow. And it used to snow back when I was a kid. We, we had big snows all the time. He would go outside our bedroom window, and at the end of the broom, he would make hoof prints, okay? And then he would come back in, and, uh, and he would say, I'm telling you, Santa's staking this place out. You've got to check it out. And I would grin because I knew there was, and Chrissy, I said, yeah, Chrissy. Mike would say, look outside your window. I think I heard a couple reindeer. Chrissy would look, there's hoof prints outside our window, you know. That's, that's the kind of brother he was. He has experienced cancer. By the way, he also was a Green Beret. I'm so proud of him. Cancer, divorce, addictions with his kids. He has one kidney, and he does nothing but exude the grace of God. Makes these bookmarkers, these little things that have has God's truth, passes them out. That's where giving thanks takes you and me. It takes us to a place of living today in spite of this broken life, in spite of the broken people. And our life becomes, to God be the glory, because of the hardships being dealt with God's way. God's way. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. I want to end with this story. I, I did read this story to you a couple years ago. I had it dated that I read this 2019. But it's it's so good. It's a true story. It happened November 27th, the year 2000. Ready? Take this with you. And if you'd like a copy of this story to read at your Thanksgiving table, it might be um, something you would like to use. Sandra felt as low as the heels of her shoes as she pushed against a November gust at the florist's shop door. Her life had been easy, like a spring breeze. Then in the fourth month of her second pregnancy, a minor automobile accident stole her ease. During this Thanksgiving week, she would have delivered her son. She grieved over her loss, and as if that were not enough, her husband's company threatened to transfer. Then her sister, whose holiday visit she coveted, called saying she would not be able to come. What's worse, Sandra's friend infuriated her by suggesting her grief was a God-given path to maturity that would allow her to empathize with others who suffer. By the way, that is a truth, but you don't want to hear it when you're first going through it. 
I remember I, I said to the Lord, I'm going to slap the next person who tells me God knows who to give these babies to <laughs> when Clint was born. <laughs> you know, it's just, there's, to everything, there's the time. All right. She has no idea what I'm feeling, thought Sandra with a shudder. Thanksgiving, thankful for what, she wondered, for a careless driver whose truck was hardly scratched when he rear-ended her, for her airbag that saved her life but took that of her child. Good afternoon, may I help you? The shop clerk's approach startled her. I, I need an arrangement, stammered Sandy. For Thanksgiving, do you want this beautiful but ordinary, or would you like to challenge the day with a customer favorite I call the Thanksgiving special, the shop clerk asked. I'm convinced that flowers tell stories, she said. Are you looking for something that conveys gratitude this Thanksgiving? Oh, not exactly, Sandra blurted out. In the last five months, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Sandra regretted her out outburst and was surprised when the shop clerk said, I have the perfect arrangement for you. Then the doorbell's, uh, the, the door's small bell rang again, and the shop clerk said, Hi, Barbara, let me get your order. She politely excused herself, walked toward a small workroom, and then quickly reappeared, carrying an arrangement of greenery, bows, and long-stemmed, thorny roses. Except the ends of the rose stems were neatly snipped, but there were no flowers. Want this in a box, asked the clerk. Sandra watched for the customer's response. Was this a joke? Who would want rose stems with no flowers? She waited for laughter, but neither women laughed. Yes, please, Barbara replied with an appreciative smile. You'd think after three years of getting the special, I wouldn't be so moved by its significance, but I can feel it right here all over again, she said as she gently tapped her chest. Ah, uh, stammered Sandra. That lady just left with, uh, she left with no flowers. Right, said the clerk. I cut off the flowers. That's the special. I call it the Thanksgiving Thorns Bouquet. Oh, come on, you can't tell me someone is willing to pay for that, exclaimed Sandra. Barbara came into the shop three years ago feeling much like you feel today, explained the clerk. She thought she had very little to be thankful for. She had lost her father to cancer. The family business was going under. Her son was into drugs, and she was facing a major surgery. That same year, I had lost my husband, continued the clerk, and for the first time in my life, I had to spend the holidays alone. I had no children, no husband, no family nearby, and too great a debt to allow any travel. So what did you do, asked Sandra. I learned to be thankful for the thorns, answered the clerk quietly. I've always thanked God for the good things in life and never to ask him why those good things happened to me. But when the bad stuff hit, did I ever ask? It took time for me to learn that dark times are important. I've always enjoyed the flowers of life, but it took thorns to show me the beauty of God's comfort. You know, the Bible says that God comforts us when we're afflicted, and from his consolation, we learn to comfort others. Sandra sucked in her breath as she thought about the very thing her friend had tried to tell her. I guess the truth is I don't want comfort. I lost a baby, and I'm angry with God. Just then, someone else walked into the shop. Hey, Phil, shouted the clerk to the balding, rotund man. My wife sent me to get our usual Thanksgiving arrangement, 12 thorny long stem stems laughed Phil as the clerk handed him a tissue-wrapped arrangement from the refrigerator. Those are for your wife, asked Sandra. Do you, mind ask, do you mind me asking why she wants something that looks like that? Oh, no, not at all. I'm glad you asked, Phil replied. Four years ago, my wife and I nearly divorced. After 40 years, we were in a real mess. But with the Lord's grace and guidance, we slogged through problem after problem. He rescued our marriage. Jenny here, the clerk, told me she 
kept a vase of rose stems to remind her of what she learned from her thorny times. That was good enough for me. I took home some of those stems, and my wife and I decided to label each one for a specific problem and then give thanks for what that problem taught us. As Phil paid the clerk, he said to Sandra, I highly recommend the special. I don't know if I can be thankful for the thorns in my life, Sandra said to the clerk. It's so, so fresh. Well, the clerk carefully replied, my experience has shown that the thorns make roses more precious. We treasure God's provincial, providential care during trouble more than any other time. Boy, isn't that the case? You learn to give thanks for the simplest little things. That cup of coffee. I, I tell you, it's just so beautiful. Remember, it was a crown of thorns that Jesus wore so we might know his love. Don't resent the thorns. Tears rolled down Sandra's cheeks, and for the first time since the accident, she loosened her grip on resentment. I'll take those 12 long stem thorns, please, she managed to choke out. I hoped you would, the clerk said gently. I'll have them ready in a minute. Thank you. What do I owe you, Sarah asked. Oh, nothing. Nothing but a promise to allow God to heal your heart. The first year's arrangement is always on me. The clerk smiled and handed a card to Sandra. I'll attach this card to your arrangement, but maybe you would like to read it first. It read, My God, I have never thanked you for my thorns. I have thanked you a thousand times for my roses, but never once for my thorns. Teach me the glory of the life I bear. Teach me the value of my thorns, and show me that I have climbed closer to you along the path of pain. Show me that, through my tears, the colors of your rainbow look much more brilliant. Praise him for your roses, but thank him for your thorns. Amen and amen. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us this instruction. Thank you that it saves me from me as I put it into practice. Thank you, Lord, that you will do all things well. And thank you that you begin that work in our heart when we honor you by obeying your word and giving thanks for all things. This is your will for my good. In Jesus' precious name, amen.